0: will never hear this, um, but we're still sorry.
1: It is. Oh, where did I, where did I? Damn it, damn it, damn
0: it. Damn it, dance. Hey, aren't they do-do-do some stuff?
1: I don't get it.
2: Oh yeah.
0: hello everybody
1: welcome back to i don't get it i'm paul i'm fonda
0: um and we are your hosts for i don't get it a podcast about contemporary dance in edmonton
1: yes and uh we are now opening up season two
0: yes for the second uh for the second year we made it through
1: yeah yeah we had to learn relearn how to build the blanket fort and everything things
0: things we forgot over over the summer (laughs) uh what else did we do this summer fonda
1: Oh, well, we did a lot. Um, we all
0: moved. Yeah, we all, all moved. moved.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're all in different houses now. The Blanket Fort now does have a new home in the heart of Alberta Avenue. Right,
0: in the so. tall building.
1: Yes. So, um, and also, yeah, we we uh, we were we ran into uh, some podcast friends.
0: Yes, yes, we went on a podcast date. Um, during the Fringe, the Edmonton International Fringe Festival, we were contacted by a, a group out of Montreal called Dirty Feet, who do a weekly dance podcast.
1: Yeah, um, they're run through no more radio there um and we'll tell you a little bit more about them because we're actually going to play some of our conversation that we had with yeah. them for you in a little bit the but first
0: first uh what do we got
1: well we're gonna race through <laughs> or we're gonna try yes. racing through um all of the dance that's coming up until the end of the year yeah. and maybe even a little bit into S- 2015 sneak
0: into sneak into january a bit but yeah just like the the overview of dance that, that we've been told about if you're listening and you didn't get listed in this, it's because you didn't tell us about it. Yeah, so, send us your
1: press releases. <laughs> we're
0: people, we're people who need this. Um, but uh, we are going to try and race through as fast as, as humanly possible and then crack a beer. on this, Once we
1: get through it. <laughs>
0: on this Sunday morning in which we're recording. A yes. nice Sunday morning beer.
1: All right, so here is Edmonton's dance season remaining in 2014. Uh, ready, Paul?
0: I think I'm ready. Okay, Good Women, go. Okay, go. Good Women have their their annual show, Convergence, which is their their self-production, as well as a showcase of local choreographers. That is happening November 20th, 21st, 22nd at 8 p.m. at Le, Le Uni Theater at La Cité Francophone. They also have, um, before that, a Peggy Baker Intensive. They're bringing in uh, the Governor General Award winning dancer, Peggy Baker, to do a week of technique classes. That is October 27th through 31st at the Sugarfoot Ballroom. Uh, you can find more information on the Good Women website. Hey, Fonda, what's going on with Mile Zero Dance? Uh,
1: mile Zero, first up, actually, end of this week coming up, they're bringing in um, an international main stage performance. Uh, find Five Dance Theater from Estonia um, is coming with a piece called Phases, um, and it's award-winning piece from Estonia captivating, uh, featuring captivating physicality and an interactive work that focuses largely on social commentary. It is on September. September 12th and 13th at Looney Theatre and there's also a workshop with um, Fine 5 that the uh, Mile Zero is running and those are on September 11th and 12th. Also coming up from Mile Zero there's a workshop on contact improvisation with Andrew de Delatbinier Harwood uh, who we remember from the Caged presentation last year. Right. A uh, really neat guy, uh, does a lot of work in the US and Canada and I think that you know if you like dance and you like contact improv I'm sure it would probably be Right up your alley. Uh, On December 19th is Mile Zero's first salon of the year called Coming of Age. Um, Actually, on December 19th and 20th at C103, which is the former catalyst. Always catalyst in our hearts. Yes. yeah, so there will be, of course, as their salons go, a lot of cross-disciplinary um, artists and very cool things to be had. Um, and their next salon, even after that, going into 2015, uh, February 20th and 21st, there's a salon called Without Borders.
0: Wow. And so that's... That's mile zero. Whew. All right, Paul. Great. Uh,
1: next up, Alberta Ballet.
0: Go. All right. uh, We have right. First up, we have Don Quixote, a company premiere. They've never done it before. It's the the classic Cervantes literary masterpiece uh, that was originally created for the, the Bolshoi Ballet in 1869. Uh, it is showing here in Edmonton October 3rd and 4th, and then in Calgary before that September 25th to 27th. Uh, they also have another company premiere, The Three Musketeers, which they say is a classical ballet great for families um which is of course the the timeless tale as well uh it is happening here on november 7th and 8th in uh 2014 that's in edmonton in calgary october 23rd to 25th and then of course it is december which means the nutcracker cometh uh another listed as a classical ballet great for families um but it, it's the nutcracker of course um as as it is wont to be there will be sugar plum fairies in abundance among other <laughs> things um and you can get a 25 off your tickets if you buy a subscription if that is a thing you are interested in as a human being Ooh. that is happening in edmonton december 12th to 14th and in calgary december 18th to 24th that is everything that's happening for Alberta Ballet uh, for the rest of the year. Find out what's happening with the Brian Webb Dance Company?
1: Okay, Brian Webb Dance Company. Uh, there's a really cool group called Toronto Dance Theater coming uh, October 8th and 9th. It will, they will be at the Tim Center. Uh, Christopher House is bringing a piece called 11 Accords, um, which features 11 dancers and is scored to Stephen Reich's Music for 18 Musicians, Ooh. which changed the course of new music in 1976. Wow. Um, uh, according to the
0: Brian well, that was the time when music was a-changing.
1: Yeah, changing. absolutely. Um, coming up with the Prairie Dance Circuit, which is in November this year, November 22nd and 23rd, we'll have Winnipeg's Contemporary Dancers with Forever in Blue Jeans, uh, Ming Han with a piece called The Exhibitionist, and Edmonton's Raina Waddell with Here Now, which I believe we saw an excerpt or a piece um, in the works uh, at the Expanse Festival totally. this year. So, yeah, so that should be... Interesting as well. And then kicking off in 2015 in February is a uh, company Marie Chouinard, who which is like just awesome. Is
0: it? Um, I, don't, I don't know these yeah, things. Yeah.
1: Well, we'll it? talk more okay. about that later. Um, she's pretty cool uh, from Montreal, of course. Uh, just awesome, awesome dance lady uh, given the order of Canada. All that, wow. All that jazz. Wow. Yeah, so that's February 20th and 21st, but we'll talk more about that later. What do we got for indie stuff?
0: All right, so happening on September 11th and 12th, uh, which is this week, if you're listening right now, at the ATB Financial Arts Burns, uh, we have Retake, which is a double-bill performance. It features uh, two pieces of choreography, one by Anastasia Maywood and the other by Krista Posniak, as well as a slew of dancers from from around town. um, And that is happening this week, as I just said. Uh, What is next on the indie side of things? Um,
1: Well, we don't have too many specific. Dates Mm -hmm. or anything, but we've heard that Toy Guns is having a fundraiser in November. Toy Guns, who
0: are a a relatively new company, but just saw a ton of success at the Fringe Festival.
1: Yeah, they were like the big talk of of the Fringe this year. So I'm looking forward to see what they have coming up. Uh, I've heard also that Gen Mesh Dance Conspiracy is planning a late November or late fall um, series of of workshops at the U of A uh, not conservatory. What's the thing where you go and you see all the stars?
0: the uh, oh, um.
1: observatory ah, not conservatory it go. is Sunday morning and, <laughs> and uh, we
0: haven't cracked these beers yet yes
1: so. no right. and that's the dance that we know about if we didn't get your dance piece remember to send us your stuff okay beers go
0: beers oh, <sighs> oh it feels so good happy okay. sunday happy, happy sunday, sunday everyone
1: all right. So now what we're going to do um, is we will leave you with um, the conversation that we had with Dirty Feet.
0: Yeah. So these are some excerpts from we talked for uh, over an hour in the beer tents at the Fringe and uh, and uh, discussed everything from our our. Inter- or like what we how we approach dance and what we think of dance journalism and writing about it to to the place of criticism to to other fun stuff that we went back and forth on.
1: Yeah, they 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 got in touch with us because they're like, wow, there's another podcast out there. So they reached out. They're an hour long weekly podcast in Montreal. Um, it's done by Alison Burns and Stephanie moram robert mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, they were lovely ladies. We really enjoyed talking to them. We talked to them for quite a, quite some time. So we have cut the the conversation edited. Yeah. yeah. and they
0: <laughs> They were at the fringe for a show called For Body and Light, which they were touring across the country, um, which featured a mix of dance and also spoken word poetry. They had a uh, poet on tour with them as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, we enjoyed the conversation so much, and they sent us the sound file. So we uh, we did what we wanted to with it. Thank you, ladies at Dirty Feet. Thanks, guys. Um, and yeah, uh, if you want to learn more about them, check them out on the No More Radio website under Dirty Feet.
0: Right, and uh, we will leave you with that, and we'll be back really soon because the dance season is officially starting. Because so.
1: apparently, we have two shows to review this coming weekend. Yeah, <laughs>
0: so we gotta, we gotta get on it. Yeah. Well, thanks, everybody.
3: Thanks, everyone.
1: Welcome back.
3: Welcome to the first ever joint podcast uh, collaboration between Dirty Feet and I Don't Get It, which is a dance podcast based here in Edmonton, where we are currently uh, hanging out and visiting the fringe and uh, covering that and uh, exploring dance in this wonderful city in this wonderful province so far away from our home in Montreal Uh, and we are so pleased to be here with Fonda and Paul and uh, thank you guys for for agreeing to sit down with us.
0: Thanks for having us.
1: Yeah thank you and for our I don't get it listeners who have not heard of uh, Dirty Feet before who are you?
3: We're, We're a dance podcast based in Montreal we've been in existence since uh December 2012. So we've been hanging around. This is uh, we're we're like 92 episodes in as we speak at the Edmonton Fringe. We do release an episode a week, uh, about an hour long, but sometimes less, sometimes more, depending on who we're talking to. We do a lot of interviews with choreographers. We've uh, organized a few roundtables, which are always very exciting. Uh, we talk about a lot of different varieties of dance, but we do concentrate on contemporary. Myself, Allison Burns. Uh, I'm a contemporary dancer choreographer and producer uh, and the podcast host obviously
2: and uh, I went to Concordia University as did my co-host here yes Stephanie Morin Robert and I'm also living in Montreal originally from Timmins Ontario so watch mm. out Shania Twain karaoke singers it's a challenge <laughs> um, so yeah I'm also a choreographer uh, performer and a writer and storyteller and we kind of uh, um, I think the, this podcast is kind of a, an opportunity for us to step away from our own work and open our minds a little to see what other people are doing and, uh, yeah, and influence our work as well, right, to, to see where the creative processes are coming. So we're excited to have you guys here and, and to discuss about dance, which we kind of both do in our own provinces. And now here we are drinking a glass of wine or a beer and let's do this.
3: Bonda, you were telling me briefly about about why you know so much about dance and and what your your kind of relationship is with dance.
1: Uh, well, I I was a I did a, diff- a bunch of different forms of dance as I was growing up and in high school and in university. In university, I studied a little bit of contemporary dance theory and history. So um, I really do enjoy um, seeing seeing new groups from around you know around the country and around the globe that end up coming here and being able to just actually interview them and talk to, talk to them about what they do has always been one of my favorite things about arts writing which doesn't pay much but you do kind of you know get into shows and talk to very cool people so uh, that's always been one of the fun things about it
3: definitely feel like I get paid in tickets and like wine at the yeah. vernissage evenings and you're like okay <laughs> and I love this format the I don't get it format and the whole concept of being less pretentious and kind of trying to, to bring dance to people who are afraid of it And uh, do you feel like with contemporary dance these days, like, is that that growing, that fear of dance? Is it shrinking? Ooh,
0: um, I guess I feel like it's fairly fairly stagnant, if anything. It hasn't really changed, um, which is the problem, I think, is that people um, sort of have a preconceived notion, uh, self included, uh, before I started doing this, about what dance was and what it sort of entailed seeing a show. and so, and so, the more I've seen, and the more I've, I've just sort of taken a chance for for better and worse. There've been shows I've been really blown away by, and shows I've sort of still been like, I, I really didn't get it. Yeah, that's still a, a real thing. Um, but it's sort of expanded to how I, how I can look at art and how I can look at other art forms, um, and just um, appreciating movement for, for what it is. Uh, as far as the, the problem uh, goes, I guess it's getting people to take that first step. It's getting them to pay $20 for a ticket, or maybe more, um, to see something that they already sort of have a preconceived notion about, um, that they might end up really liking, no matter no matter sort of what their background or experience, but it's getting them to take that first step, I think, is the, is the challenge uh, right now, because in Edmonton, at least, there's a lot, um, there's a lot of dance, the scene seems to be growing, there's a lot of good conversation sort of circling around it, and sort of new groups emerging. Uh, which is great, and now it's hopefully going to translate to an audience that will will grow in the same way.
1: Yeah, we've had an interesting sort of history of dance culture here in Edmonton, even just in the last 10 years. Um, Our major professional dance training um, program shut down about ten years ago at Grant McEwen, and we had a lot of dancers that moved away, um, and now they're coming back after receiving professional training elsewhere, places like Winnipeg, and they're starting their own groups, uh, places like The Good Women, um, that kind of thing. And it is it is very interesting to see, there is, there is definite Edmonton aesthetic, I think, that's kind of coming out of it. Uh, which I really enjoy. like I, I I come to the fringe for the same reason for theater. You know, you see artists starting out and experimenting, and years later, when they're on main stages and getting programmed uh, with with the big companies, um, that's you know that's kind of what it's all about. So. Edmonton has kind of seen a little bit of a renaissance, I think, in dance in the last couple of years. And it's, uh, I think us starting the podcast actually was almost at like the perfect time because there was just like an influx of things for us to talk about. And even now we have new groups like Toy Guns starting up that are um, kind of really blowing people's minds and doing really different, fun, interesting things. And I think with the podcast, what we want to just be able to do is instead of, Maybe asking someone to pay $20 first to see a show is listen to people talk about a show and just have fun and not have to be like super academic and analytical about it, but also just, you know, have a good time. You know, we, we tend to have fun conversations. You're funnier than I am, Paul, but <laughs> um, we, you know, we, we tend to just like do it for fun. We don't actually, are, we're not employed by anyone for the podcast. We just, we just do it for thrills. <laughs>
0: For for thrills and for the love. Do you find, so what do you find in Montreal? How do you find the conversation around dance right now?
2: Um, I think it's, it's kind of, it's interesting because there's parts of me that, that, Oh, it's you know dance in Montreal. It's super accessible, and and anyone could see dance. And there's there's dance whether it's in the Fringe or whether it's in um, the FTA, which is which is a huge uh, physical theater festival. And um, there's there's a lot of it, and it's accessible. But yet again, I find the community could be somewhat closed. So it's there's there's cliques, right? So there's within the contemporary dance field, within that. There, are, there are clicks, and within the clicks, there are clicks, and it's kind of challenging and and overwhelming to try to find where you belong within that. And um, I guess hosting uh, Dirty Feet is kind of a way in, even though you're not necessarily involved in the work with these people, or um, not performing, or not uh, creating work. Well, it, it allows you that that kind of foot in the door to 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 pick their brains or to, to kind of ask questions about how, how it's going um, but Montreal I feel like there's a lot going on um, and uh, I think me personally I'm, I'm mostly interested in making dance as accessible as possible whether and, and that's why this, the, the, the concept of your podcast is just like perfect for me because especially in this, this fringe setting um, example like today I'm flyering somebody to see our show I'm like come see our show and they're like um, oh, but I, I don't know dance. you know. I, I, I dance isn't for me. Or um, if there isn't a storyline, I won't enjoy it or I, I won't understand it. And there's all these questions and people think that you need some kind of education or some kind of background to be able to appreciate and, and, and get something from it. Um so I think uh by presenting work in the French I guess I'm interested in that in the accessibility and also just by having podcasts like this where people could listen and and get something out of it even though they haven't necessarily seen the work you're talking about um so for me that 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 would be kind of where I find myself within Montreal and um there are a lot of classes, a lot of, you know, opportunities to do training. And that's also something that could be intimidating or very welcoming, depending on what clique you're going to. So I'm not sure if it's like that in Edmonton or how it works as far as um, the dance community and where, um, where you guys find yourself. Or is it more of an, you know, you invite people in, or do you feel like you're really a part of that community?
0: Um, I think uh, for us, there's sort of like... A willful disconnect there's sort of mm-hmm. a bit of an arm's length like both of us are, are journalists and writers first I yeah. mean Fonda has a lot of has a history of dance I don't um, and I think because uh, we do criticism as well we've done some interviews but we also do sort of talk about how we felt about things for better and worse mm-hmm. um, and that can be a uh, very difficult uh, sometimes if you if you know the people involved um, just sort of generating that level of, of honesty Yeah, yeah. It doesn't always come out
2: well that bridge of, of uh, the commu- the dance community sometimes is so small or closely knit that you know everybody involved and here you are watching their show and you need to write something about it and, and how do you manage that because I, I know that I've been like interested and I'm like I want to write I want to write reviews and then right when it comes to the moment of actually doing it that's when I'm like I can't. I went to school with this girl, and we like did this workshop together, mm-hmm. and, and oh my God, and, I, and that w- would that mean that I think my work is better and it's like and then I get panicky. How do, right. you, how do you manage that, like reviewing shows that you know the people? If I could just sneak in, first of all, because I, I just want to say that we owe an
3: explanation to perhaps some Dirty Feet followers who realized that we stopped reviewing shows a little while ago before actually Stephanie joined the podcast. Because uh, J.D. Papillon and myself and Joanie Farin, who was an, uh, an old uh, host of ours, we used to review shows and we definitely found this discomfort. Uh, I think it was around the time that, uh, that we... Uh, I was programmed in Stephanie's work at Tangente, and it was like, how can I prog- how can I review, how can I judge my peers, and still call them colleagues and peers?
1: Wow, wow! Well, so, um, was there a specific instance or something that happened that caused you to stop reviewing?
3: But that's it. It was it was just being in the same programming as as another artist that I was asked to review, and I and I declined at that moment and then we got less and less enthusiastic about reviewing work until we stopped altogether and I see I see so much benefit for myself personally and for the community to have reviews being written by people who know about dance but it is such an uncomfortable place and I need to feel that I'm not actively part of the industry if I want to do that yeah
0: yeah I think um I think there's absolutely like um, some level of disconnect is good but also I think one thing that's helped us is I think In Edmonton, uh, the scene was really craving it, the dance scene really wanted criticism. Uh, The paper uh, I edit and found the rights for View Weekly um, previously had run dance criticism but we'd stopped uh, a few years ago. Uh, The Edmonton Journal, sort of our our flagship daily paper in town, uh, does reviews but not everything. So so I think we'd gotten a letter um, from from a group of dancers uh, about a year before we started this podcast who were asking, they'd sent this to all the different media in town, and they were asking about uh, the possibility of reviews and criticism. So I think, to an extent, the scene has to want that as well. Um, And and also, yeah, I mean, having someone outside, finding someone who can uh, do that, who isn't so uh, connected within the scene, who isn't, you know reviewing a person they might end up working with in four months or two years or something um, is important and helps and, and sort of helps when maybe the scene and the, the, the community and the dialogue about dance grows. Um, it would be, it'll be interesting I guess to see how it changes over the next couple of years as we keep doing this and hopefully as other, other media outlets pick up more dance um, if there is a greater criticism or if that uh, if it sort of stays at the level it's at now.
1: And I think you kind of bring up a really interesting point about um, uh, the community reviewing itself um, and dance dance coverage and dance reviews by dancers for dancers. Because there's sort of an assumption that a review is for the for the artist as feedback, but it's not. A review is generally for the general public and the audience. And I think that that's something that we on on I don't get it. Um, People people have a way in with a with the podcast because maybe they don't get it and they just want to like listen to a podcast that speaks about something that they don't understand that will enlighten them a little bit, and it's not sort of just talking to its own community about 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 what they do. It's kind of trying to open it up a little bit more and give a way in um, that I think that I think is really important to realize and and you know. As hard as I know as it would be, and I mean, like, let's say, you know, someone eventually said, you know, as reviewers, you all have to review each other, which I know you've done, Paul, for the fringe. (laughs) Um, It it is hard to review your peers and it is hard to be um, called out like that. But in, in all honesty, I've seen the dance community here so interested in actually giving each other feedback a lot of the event dance events that happen in edmonton are salon style or um the good women what cooking style where they actually ask for and request feedback at the show and i think that that is a great forum and that's a good indication of the community being really healthy and honest with each other and so you know I hope that I hope that in Montreal you guys you know someone will get out there and just start talking about it because it's important that's how that's how people get their way in get their foot in the door and then start paying for
3: tickets eventually when you're talking about um, reviewing a show for the general public to kind of give them an idea of, of what to expect or to give them a window in I mean we can objectively say that there's some dance out there that's not good and that it wouldn't be productive for the industry for people to go to assume that it is good and go see it and not enjoy it.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: How do you na- navigate that if right. that falls in your lap? You
0: have to be honest with your audience because if they lose a trust in you as, as whatever you consider yeah, your your outlet to be, um, then they're just not going to believe you when you say the show is really good or when it's really bad. And that can be hard. There's been some shows we've seen this year that were like, ugh. We we gotta be honest with that. Like it didn't it didn't achieve what it seemed to set out to do, um, which can totally be hard. Um, my background is in theater criticism, and there have been totally times at the Fringe when I've been reviewing shows, and it's not a very good show. And then a friend walks on stage who I didn't know was in the show, and you go, Oh no! Uh, I have to be honest. Uh, uh, and then you do. You sort of have to be honest, and uh, and. I have found people to be fairly forgiving. Typically people know um, when something isn't maybe where they want it to be. Um, so I think that 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 honesty isn't expected, or isn't unexpected rather, um, and can be beneficial. It's just like, yeah, this this didn't get to where we wanted it to be. It doesn't mean you have to be mean, but you, you do have to be honest, I think, I find. Um, and, and if you do that, and if you try and make sure that you're being honest um, in a way that is objective, uh in looking at like what were they trying to do? Did they achieve that? Was it worth it that they achieved that? Um usually that framework can be very, very helpful in sort of uh negating the potential fallout of that. Uh and hopefully we'll just bring a greater dialogue then if people are like, well this is this is what we thought and so on and so forth. Yeah.
2: So uh, an interesting question I have for, for for you is maybe um once because the more dance you see the more you are going to get it, right? The more you, yeah. you will understand, the more you have this history around uh, your understanding of what, what dance is and what the community is. Are they going to fire you and replace w- you with somebody else who doesn't know anything about dance? Fonda,
0: <laughs> are you? Are you going to kick me out? No. Um, um, yeah, that's that's an excellent point. But I think... Um, what I'm hoping as we continue, and I, absolutely, even by by the end of one season, I sort of have more of a sense of, in quote, how to talk about dance in in a sort of traditional way. But I guess the challenge for me, um, as the dumb one in this in this <laughs> in this situation, is to is to sort of find that um, a way of talking about dance that isn't that way. And even if I sort of know uh, what the approach should be, like what is another way I can put it that's different that um, that offers uh, a different audience um, the same vision uh, idea, or like, what's a visual? Wh- how can I talk about how can I talk about an inherently visual medium in an inherently audio format, right? With a podcast, just finding the way to sort of bridge that, and, and things that are easier sort of images to to talk about and conjure um, than than trying to be like very technically precise about dance and the, the terms. That that's what where Fonda comes in. She's got that, but I, I can be I can happily be the dumb one.
1: I think I think that what we really enjoy about the conversations that we do have on the podcast um, is is the dynamic and is the difference uh, that we have, and I think that we will always try and maintain the spirit of it. And eventually, if you get so good with reviewing dance, Paul, maybe we'll have to find another art form that like I know way less about, and then you can you know uh, come <laughs> in and, and be the pro. Not that I'm a pro. We'll just scratch that. But, um, yeah, I, I just think that it, it's, it's interesting to have, like, a, a, di- a dichotomy to work from. And we're not, we're not the same. We're not really coming from the same ground with it. Um, and and it, it makes for a pretty enjoyable conversation. And we hope that people listen and enjoy as well.
2: Well, it's also interesting the direction that that, that will take over, you know, ep- episode after after episode as you get more and more comfortable with it. It's, it's an interesting thing to follow, that evolution of, of knowledge and of, of um, awareness and of comfort and just like, I don't get it, but that's okay, you know? <laughs> well, yeah, there's some growth, right? And I think one of the things that is really
1: amazing to see in someone who starts watching dance and then eventually uh, eventually gets to a point where they don't have to get it. It's like this, you know, like eureka moment sometimes.
0: I think the secret of I don't get it is it doesn't matter if I get it or not. You can still enjoy a piece of, of, of dance or, or theater and not... Not understand it in in a like a narrative sense, which is th- how we tend to think. But you can still be affected emotionally by it because there'll be an arc, there'll be a change, there'll be a growth in whatever sort of character is being portrayed on a stage, and that's something that will always come through. If it's done well, it'll come through, uh, no matter how um, how alien the art form is to you. Same with visual art, you know. Same with. Uh, with improv, same with theater, same with with any other sort of form of of entertainment that people can watch for, for, for pleasure or for deeper thought, you know, it's with poetry or philosophy. It's the exact same thing. It'll come through.
3: Moving off of what Stephanie's setting up, there's also the references that you start to gain and that you can, you can refer back to other works you've seen and compare and kind of start to categorize things, uh, which is a, like a pretty consistent question in my mind about categorizing uh, dance specifically when we're talking about contemporary dance because that that is such a broad term and there are so many different kind of styles within that and there are things that I like and don't like and that's the same for everybody and I'm constantly questioning whether or not it's worth it to kind of have some way to better guide the general public where they should be going for what would be interesting to them so that they don't see a show that's in the contemporary dance category that is not jiving with what they wanna see. And in terms of categorization and um, a responsibility
1: for letting audiences know and in on something um, maybe before a show, I do think there are there are certain forms of contemporary dance, like we have some butoh performers in Edmonton. Um, you know that you want to you want to be able to kind of give like a context for that. But should you know what butoh is or if it even matters before you go and see a show and buy the ticket? No, um, I don't think that that's that important. You should be able to walk in and see a show, especially at the Fringe. Um, and and just you know enjoy it for what it is i've noticed that a few of the fringe shows that are definitely dance shows have actually labeled themselves as physical theater and i think that that's an important distinction to make as well because physical theater there's an implied narrative um or that you're going to see something that is theatrical and has more maybe production value in it um but i also i i also do i see the point about categorization but with contemporary dance it's so it is so broad and it is actually very difficult for me even to like understand how the categorization even works now like you know when when i went and learned about modern dance history modern dance way back when it was still <laughs> called modern dance you know you learn about like Martha Graham and Laban and and uh, Pina Bausch and like all these things and is there, is there anyone that you would actually categorize in those similar ways now? Not really. You can say that someone derives a style maybe, or is similar or has remnants of it, but I don't um, I, d- I don't think that, that it ex- categorization exists in the same way that it used to.
0: I think uh, things like physical theater and these terms that sprung up, uh, spring up as sort of like secret codes for dance or whatever comes from um, <laughs> yeah. comes from bad criticism in a way. It comes from people not knowing how to talk about something just emotionally. and indis- Because what is physical theater is those two terms together gives you a sort of vague idea of what it is, but it's still a totally abstract concept. Um, and it sounds smart. And people want to, to feel like smart, I guess, to an yeah. extent. Um, they sort of want to chase those ideas but it's to me uh, more rewarding and more enriching uh, if you talk more about like what what is the movement instead of using those sort of like vague generalized terms like how specific can you get um, which can be way more intriguing to to someone from the outside uh... that's what i find
3: way back at the beginning we were talking about uh... what's going on in montreal and i just uh, wanted to to give two cents on that as i've been pondering it and the the thing about Montreal is that there's always an opportunity to perform. There's always an opportunity to present. As Steph was saying, there's all these classes, there's all these places to train, to learn, to take workshops. Um the audience happens to be all of the same people that are doing all of those things. Uh Steph was talking about the niches and uh we have a serious lack of people general public people coming out to see shows and I think that's a huge part of what we're talking about now and what you're trying to change and what I think we're trying to change as well and I think for me I don't even know where to begin with with all of that and I don't know that if it's just a Montreal problem or a Canadian problem.
0: Sure. Um, one thing I've found interesting um, that sometimes can be the feel here in in theater. It's sort of everyone's passing the same fifteen bucks around, depending on um, on the production. We
3: say ten bucks in Montreal. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Oh man. We got,
0: we got fifteen in Edmonton. Yeah. These um, are
1: more we, have, we have a better economy. Here.
0: <laughs> uh, uh, but um, but one thing I've I've had conversations with theater artists about trying to expand their audiences, and you know some of them say you know they'll they'll talk to a cab driver who's driving them it's like oh do you ever come see theater Uh, no i did uh i did when i was at home in a different country but um not that all cab drivers are from different countries but but sometimes Um, but And they would say, you know, in, uh, I would go see theater in other places, but I don't because they're not really telling my stories. Um, they're not telling stories that are relevant to me. Um, and so I think that's sometimes a question and, and an issue in art across in dance, in theater, and other in visual arts, is we sort of start just talking to ourselves and our stories grow insular and we're not looking at other stories and stories that audiences want to hear told and audience uh, things that um, maybe aren't, uh immediately apparent to us but then it's our job to go find those stories and and bring them into the work we're doing which will then bring an audience in, hopefully um but but if you don't feel like your story is going to be told on stage in an abstract or a little literal way um you're you're probably not going to come uh and you know that's one thing in theater we're talking narratives and we're talking written stories um but even in dance if we don't make that like those sort of emotions and the the ideas that are being explored and struggled with uh, inclusive and and bringing people in and people's stories that aren't necessarily part of the community um, often, uh, then then those audiences aren't ever going to be intrigued enough to, to give it a shot, I feel.
1: Yeah, I have to agree. I think one of the most interesting things that I've seen in Edmonton, because I'm not only a big fan of contemporary dance, I'm also a really big fan of cultural dance and world dance. Um, Some of the largest dance audiences that I've seen in Edmonton are actually for Southeast Asian and Indian dance um, or for Ukrainian dance. Which
0: rules, by the way, which (laughs) was like mind-blowing to watch. Um, So cool and just something I had no like framework for it all, but it was just like, that guy can spin so fast, <laughs> so crazy, and in different ways.
1: Yeah, Paul saw his first Kathak dance show this year, which was fantastic and loved it. And now I know I can bring him to more Indian dance, which is great (laughs) um, because I've always really enjoyed it. Um, I do think that we have to um, broaden our scope a little bit. It's not just about the Western perspective and about Western style movement. It can be about a lot of things. Uh, And you know, also incorporating more theater and, you know, sometimes maybe even a little bit of narrative, but in an interesting way. Um, I think that that's important for, for opening the door for audience and not just our kind of like usual suspect audience for, for a lot of different type of audience as well.
2: Do you guys feel like you, you want to maybe create something? You see all this work and you talk about it and you ask questions about it. Is it, is there, you know, somewhere back in the back of your mind, do you would you like to create something physical, uh, a dance piece of of some sort? Is there maybe maybe this podcast is kind of lighting that flame of wanting to be creative in that way, as the people you're you're interviewing?
1: Well. Um, I- you know, I like I, st- I, I have had a hiatus from dancing for a long time and t- and writing about it has kind of like filled that void because I, you know, my trade is generally more of a writer than a dancer, but I do think that it would be a total blast one day to maybe go back and take like a simple bar class and see how see how we do. <laughs> Um, or, you know, just, just for the enjoyment of it again, um, whether or not I'd actually put myself up to performing, I, well, I, you know, it would take some convincing and, and wine probably, but I would do it. I'd give it a shot, right, you know, Paul, Paul does, Paul <laughs> does you performance all the two. time,
0: so... <laughs> Yeah, but, uh, yeah, sure. Yes. Yes. I would. I've seen dance and been like, man, I, I wish I could do that. And then in my mind, I go, you could go do that. Maybe not professionally, but you could go do it. There are classes available. Um, and so it's just it's just crossing that hurdle of being like, wow, I saw this thing that affected me and made me want to uh, learn how to do that because it affected me. Um, and then actually doing that, finding the class, uh, you know, and doing that, which sometimes there can be budgetary issues with. Um, but sometimes not. Sometimes there's, there's sort of uh, uh, inexpensive alternatives, you know, where people volunteer their time, and or it's not that much of a cost, or you just make it a priority, and it's like, yeah, I'm going to pay, you know, 60 bucks for this dance class, or, you know, 300 bucks for this four-week dance class, but it's going to be something that uh, will make me happier, so why wouldn't I do it?
1: I guess I kind of see it the same way that I see theater. It's with this, like, this this sort of ultimate respect that I've I've seen amazing productions I've seen amazing work of both dance and theater and I just kind of know that like I want those amazing experiences to resonate in my mind and I don't necessarily want to know all the crap they have to go through to get there all the time sometimes I do like to just actually be an audience member and appreciate how wonderfully something has been done
2: do you Um, find that hard when you When you go into a show and you need to review it and you have that kind of switch on your mind of of analyzing and and observing and taking notes, um, how is there a switch that exists? I know it's something that I personally struggle with of just watching something to watch it and enjoy it, as to watch something to write about it and 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 rate it or, or say what works and what doesn't work or what could have been or just
1: taking mental notes so you know how to talk about it on the podcast yeah afterwards. yeah, yeah there, there's that yes there is a switch for sure um I find that I've you know this fringe is the first fringe in my eight years that I have not actually written reviews. um, And I've been, I've seen a few of the dance shows and I've just, I felt like a little bit more relaxed in that I don't need to find a way to describe that movement. I can just take it in and enjoy it. Um, and and so that there's definitely a switch there that that I feel because where um, is
2: it? I must find dan- it.
1: Well, dance is one of those things that is actually very difficult to put into words sometimes because really what really the magic of it is is that you see a movement, you have an emotional response, and and that's and that's beautiful and it's magical. And right? so
0: that's that's all you need to say though. Like that's what you need to. It's like how would you describe this to your friend who knows nothing about dance? Like what's well like. Anytime I do an interview, anytime I do criticism, that's one of my first thoughts is like, okay, well, what were the. If a friend was like, so how was that show? Um, and I wasn't going to talk to them on like a we're critics level. Um, it would be like, well, uh, you know, a dude did some spins. There was a huge pillow fight. It was awesome, you know? Um, <laughs> those sorts of things. Like, those are the details that are ins um, for, for writing often. And then you can build more sort of complicated or, or uh, a depthful which is not a real word, um, uh, conversations and ideas around that. But if you start with just like, what were the, the, what were the moments in that show that resonated with me and what happened in them? And then you can just start to unpack why, you know? And even with, with things uh, that, that are, you're not a fan of, things you see that you aren't interested in um, or that didn't affect you, you say, well, well, why didn't that affect me? What was going on? What were, they, what were they trying to do and why do I think that didn't resonate with me? Was it uh, a skill issue? Was it the fact that it's it's not my story? It's not something that intrigues me? Um, is it, uh, yeah, was it, yeah, there's just, those are the reasons, like, those are some of the reasons. And um, just trying to identify those, but starting with just being like, okay, well, this is how I felt about that. Why did I feel about that? You know, this is what, these are the things, for better or worse, that stood out for me. Why did I, why did they stand out for me? Mm-hmm. And just unpacking from there. Like, the the framework I try and use in everything is, is what were they trying to do? Uh, did they succeed, and was it worth it? Because um, you can, you can do a you know a, 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 a you know a 16th century comedy, and it, you can hit all the beats, and it can still be a boring hour of everyone's time, right? Or you can do something that's you know sloppy but fun, and so intriguing because of that. Like, but just sort of like looking at all of those in an isolated way can help, I think.
2: I feel like the, the, the state and the, the, it, the performer, it, well, the performers themselves could c- kind of be contagious in that way. If they're up there enjoying themselves, like this pillow fight, you know? Everyone loves pillow fight. <laughs> it's, it's kind of concha- contagious in that way, and you can sense that they're genuinely having fun and enjoying themselves. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely something that, that stands out.
3: Yeah,
1: there's sort of like a visceral reaction that you have to a show whether you're a reviewer or not. And I think that you have, as, as a, as someone who's, I don't know, I would hesitate to say a good reviewer, again, bunny ears that no one can see, um, I think that those visceral reactions have to be there and honest for a good reviewer too.
0: Yeah, uh, as someone who does criticism, nothing drives me up the wall more than someone who's trying to sound like a critic. It's like, just say what you felt and say what you thought. Um, any review Roger Ebert wrote, um, which is film, and seems like it would have nothing to do with dance or this criticism, but the way he talks about things, is it just like, it introduces these ideas in a way, and he's not trying to sound highfalutin or educated or knowledgeable on the subject. He's just talking to you about like, here's what happened. Yeah,
2: it's very honest.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly, Um, and, and that can translate to any medium, and talking about any medium, it's just like, just be honest with what you saw, and start there with just the pure surface level, this is what I saw, this is what happened. Fonda is a good critic, <laughs> Oh
1: God! <laughs> but also I do, I do think that there is that tough balance where you have an honest response and maybe it's not a great one or a, or a positive one. And you have to find a way to say that sometimes delicately. Uh, and that, and that is another, another thing about, you know, reviewing things in a close knit community that I think is a, is a challenge in, in a lot of ways.
0: Sure, just for an example, there was a Fringe show a couple of years ago um, that happened, uh, and uh, one of my reviewers called me at like 1 in the morning and it had just let out. And she was like, I saw this show and I hated it, but half of the audience gave it a standing ovation. And a couple people walked out. What do I do? And it's like, well, okay, you have to be honest. Like, this is what you felt. You can't let the rest of the audience sway that. But you should acknowledge that that happened, and try and figure out why there was this disconnect between you and half of the people watching, you know? And the people who walked out as well, who obviously as well didn't enjoy it. But why was that? What um, What was it that, that didn't connect with you that so clearly resonated with with them? Um, and that's sort of uh, what, how you can frame that in sort of a difficult way, I think, is when you're in that situation of like, I didn't get it, but everyone else did. Like, oh, I'm dumb. It's like, no, no, you just felt a different way about a thing, and you know? Art, art is subjective and affects us all in different ways. And that's cool, that's great, it should. We shouldn't all have the exact same response, you know? I like it when there are differences of reviews because it just means there's a more interesting conversation going on about whatever that piece is. If something is five stars across the board, yeah, it's probably pretty good. But also it's like, all you're gonna read is just like, praise, you know, like bland praise about this thing where it's more interesting when someone's like, here's, I didn't get it and here's why. And then you can sort of dive into that. And it's that gives a better spectrum of discussion around art, I think.
3: I have the feeling that we could be at this all night if we let ourselves. But perhaps... We should, we should probably just call it in
1: and get more beer. I
3: think that's mm. a good plan. Uh, I've been Alison Burns.
2: I'm Stéphanie robert i I'm Fonda Mithrash.
0: I'm Paul Blinov.
2: And we totally get it.
1: I Don't Get It is a podcast produced by Poblinov, Fonda Mithrush, and Andrew Paul.
0: It was recorded in a blanket fort in the tall house on Alberta Avenue in Edmonton, Alberta.
1: Our website is I You can follow us on Twitter at I Don't Get It Dance. And you can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes.
0: Our theme song is Mountain Time by Ghibli. Follow his music and check him out at Ghibli.bandcamp.com. Sit here, thank you.